It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This is the Locked On Bengals podcast on a victory Monday. It feels weird, but the Bengals won yesterday, 20-17. to 17. A lot to get to. Joe Goodberry coming up in like 20 seconds. We're on Twitter, at James Rapine, at Locked On Bengals. Subscribe on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, that's iTunes, and the iHeartRadio app. Podcasts always posted, LockedOnBengals.com. And Joe is on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. He joins me every single week following the Bengals win or loss for our weekly Bengals film review. And Joe, it's a victory. And now we're talking playoffs for the 4-6 and six Bengals. That's the narrative. But uh, overall... Let's start Let's start with the defense, because to me, the past two wins that they've had against Indianapolis and against uh, yesterday against Denver, it was on the defense. What did you think of the Bengals' defense yesterday? They were really good, and I think they've been good for the most, of, most of the year. And considering how many snaps they've been uh, asked to play and asked to endure, uh, again, the same thing yesterday. It was 75 snaps, I believe. Um, that's a lot. They've played a lot of games over the last five games. Uh, they played two more games than the offense, basically, by how many snaps they've had to play. And, and considering that being in Denver, you could see them cramping up. You could see guys getting tired early in the game. Uh, they were really good, and they made impact plays and impact stops uh, in key moments. Uh, that game could have been much different. The Broncos come out with two really good long drives, and had they scored on both, this game is very different. But instead, Kirkpatrick j- jumps in front of the uh, a very common combo in the red zone, especially at the five-yard line. He's, it was the same interception uh, from the Patriots-Seahawks Super Bowl a couple years ago. And Kirkpatrick gets over the top, makes a great play, breaks on it, and the end, of, end result of the play almost looks silly. But he, the first part was fantastic by him. And I think Perfect <laughs> had a very good game at linebacker. First time all year, he's been really good from start to finish. Uh, and he was clean. And he laid out three really strong hits, one forced a fumble, and they were all clean hits. And I hope this is the type of game he can look at and say, you know, I can play within the rules and still be physical and still make a positive impact. Uh, and he definitely did that. And a few other guys, I think Andrew Billings is turning into a player. And I think the team knows now. They they waved Pat Sims. uh it took an injury to Sims for them to give Billings the, the full opportunity, but he is impacting more run plays uh, in, in, a, in a splash sense where he's crashing into the backfield. They don't, they're not all tackled for a loss, but he's impacting the offense, and he's making it tough for offensive linemen to block him. And uh, I think it's opened up for linebackers a lot. And there's a couple plays where Evans knifes into the backfield, and which was a great play by him, and Burfick knifes into the backfield and makes a play behind the line. And if you look at the defensive tackles, they're holding at the point of attack and taking on a double team and keeping these linebackers free. If, if him and Glasgow, Billings and Glasgow are con- going to continue to do that, this defense is going to benefit from it. And lastly, I think uh, Darquez Denard being forced to start on the on the boundary. Um, he, you know, a lot of people said, well, he's better inside because of his physical abilities or limitations, if you will. Uh, that's where he should be, and I, I agree with that. But he was forced to play on the boundary, and I thought he had a very good game against two really good receivers from Denver. He's Joe Goodberry. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Joe, I, what I think is interesting, and 
it's it's almost maddening at this point with Vontez Perfect because we see what he did yesterday. And we see how dominant he can be and how he can kind of hide some of their flaws. They didn't have their best corner yesterday. William Jackson, you and I both agree, is their best corner. They didn't have a, a veteran leader in Adam Jones. Dre comes up big, makes plays for them, and Vontez Perfect does it. And I think it completely changes, you, you've said this a lot, the energy of the entire team, not just the defense. When you're talking about going to Denver and knowing what that type of game is going to be in that atmosphere. You need Burfecht to play that way. And I just wish he would have done that last week against uh, against Tennessee in, in the, the past games this year because there's so many what-ifs looking back on, on Burfecht. And uh, obviously yeah, it, the impact he had yesterday was huge. And a lot of people have asked over the last couple of weeks, is, is him playing inside been an issue? Is that is that what has slowed him down? Um and I've, I've wondered that, too, because there's been some plays where he's been a little bit slow processing and it's affected him, uh, you know, getting out in front. But uh, Vinny Ray got hurt early in the game, and they kicked perfect back inside again, and it didn't affect him. In fact, I thought he played very, very well overall. And you're right, the energy is different when he's playing. And Dunlap, there's another impact player. I yeah. thought he had a fantastic game. And yeah, you have two sacks. He brings a lot. Yeah, two sacks, and he almost intercepted the one pass. He he had a couple tackles where he's chasing from behind. It was probably his best game of the year. And considering that in the last two wins, it's taken defensive players to really rise up in key moments and make a turnover or or score. If you count Kirkpatrick as a score, basically he ended him seven points and took seven off the board. Um, it, it, that's what it takes when you have an offense that is bad, and and the offense was. Effective, I should say. I, 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 don't, I don't want to say efficient because they left a lot out there. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of drives that ended after three plays, four plays at most, and it kept giving the Broncos the ball back. Again, they only had about 50-something snaps. Uh, so the offense is should not go unblamed here on a lot of plays, but they stayed aggressive and they scored when it, when it counted. And, and making plays on third down on offense and defense will win you a lot of games, even if you're bad on first and second down. And Joe, I tweeted this out, and I got some some backlash from it. But you you take away Dre Kirkpatrick's interception, and I know you can't do that. But you take away that, and you take away the Vontez perfect force fumble. And this offense still has the same issues. Right? It, it was close to halftime. They AJ Green had one target up until that final drive, where they forced it to him a couple times. He did have one reception on there on that drive. So, like like to me. Not getting the ball to A.J. Green, huge deal. I know you tweeted out Giovanni Bernard's averages with uh, two receptions or under two receptions per game, three mm-hmm. carries per game. Like, if John Ross is going to be inactive, which we'll get to later in this, and, and I know Alex Erickson's emerging some, but it's got to be the A.J. show. Joe, I, I know he's going to get a lot of carries, but they can't run block. Gio's got to be involved as well. Like, that offense, this offense, maybe not this week against Cleveland, but What's going to happen is is they're going to get to 5-6 and six against Cleveland probably, and then everyone's going to hype up this Monday night football game against the Steelers. If they're going to beat the Steelers on Monday night football, they have to get the offense right. You just reminded me that it's Monday night football, and I just cringed really <laughs> hard. Because <laughs> I, I, I started looking a little ahead, too. At, you know, if they're 5-6, and six, they were 2-3 and three when they played the Steelers last time and had a chance to get to 500. Yeah. And the Steelers just... Ended their season, it felt like, at the time, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think everyone felt that way. Uh, here they are again. And I think it's fitting that the Marvin Lewis era and this season is going to, again, be tested against them in prime time against the Steelers because Marvin Lewis is 
entire era with the Bengals is going to have an asterisk against the Steelers, not only for 05 and losing in the playoffs then and, and them hurting Carson Palmer, uh, but then 2015 again and that playoff game and that debacle and them not being able to get over the hump of the Steelers and the Steelers winning two Super Bowls during this era and just being the overall better team. Uh, it's fitting that it could end uh, that week. And then, then we're looking a little ahead, but you're right. There's the same issues on offense and it's, ultimately going to kill this team, I think, uh, even if they do get into the playoffs. Not getting the ball to green and not knowing how to get the ball to green. Someone asked when I was just doing a review on, on of the previous game on, on Periscope, they said, um, why does it feel like green's more of a decoy rather than the focal point of the offense? <laughs> and, and I agree because and it's their offense. They, they, they used to feel very comfortable doing that, and it's always been this way with Green because they know he's going to attract so much attention. They won't move him around as much. They won't do a lot of crazy things with him. They'll line him up on, on the X file or, or the Z receiver, depending. But they'll line him up out wide, and um, they'll say, okay, you're going to slide that safety over there. Now we're going to function our offense on the other side of the field when there's less defenders, and it'll get guys like LaFell open. It'll get guys like Alex Erickson open and Tyler Croft open. And that's fine. But it was good when it was Eifert, Marvin Jones, and Mohamed Sanu. It's not so good now when it's these guys. And and that's the issue. So now when they have to use Green and make him the centerpiece of their offense again, and it sounds crazy that we even have to beg for this, but <laughs> that they have to do it, they can't find a way to move him around. They can't find a way to get him the ball. And they're still comfortable using him to – distract the defense in order to get the ball to LaFell eight times in eight targets or, or Erickson get him deep or get it to Croft on the short stuff. And it's, it's not leaving them to be very efficient, especially with the, uh, a poor running game. And if they get to five and six, and if by God they beat the Steelers, and it would be an amazing win if they did on Monday night and found a way to get that last wild card spot, these issues have to be fixed. Wins or losses, it really doesn't matter. Those issues have to be fixed if they plan on doing anything this year. He's Joe Goodberry. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Yeah, I talked to Dave Lapham, and he said this on the, the pregame show. He basically said, look, they need to move A.J. Green around. Put him in the backfield. Put him in the slot. Line him up sure. at tight end. He was like, I don't care where you put him. Just get him in a position to succeed because clearly every team's going to try to take him away. And what's interesting, Joe, is with the season on the line in Nashville – we were wondering where A.J. Green was going back eight, eight days ago. And he makes that play, and it, it seemed like it could have been the game winner. It was close to being the game winner. But there were so many times in that game we were wondering where he was. And then four days later, the Steelers force-feed Antonio Brown, and he has 10 receptions, a buck 44, and three touchdowns. It's just like, oh, they knew that Antonio Brown was going to be featured, and they couldn't stop him. And yet the Bengals are wondering how to get the ball to Green. Yeah, and... I was thinking when when you just said put them in the backfield, they did it against the Bills maybe, and they tried to run that um, that wheel route with them, and it didn't work. And that seems to be the Bengals' thing. If it doesn't work once, that, that's it. Well, I guess we can't go to that ever again. And I think we've seen that with a lot of players in a lot of plays this year. And then <laughs> John at the Ross. same time, they run – yeah, <laughs> exactly. And at the same time, they run the same plays over and over again that don't work and – they just see it as consistency or something, uh, something that, that keeps them from doing the same thing over and over. But getting back to Green, eh, because he should be the focal point, um, I just think it's it's amazing to watch DeAndre Hopkins with the Texans, and the Texans have no offense right now at all. And it's very similar to the Bengals. The Bengals have a better quarterback right now, but um, they still feed Hopkins 
it doesn't matter that Tom Savage is the quarterback. They're down by a touchdown. They give them five targets on that drive, and they say, go win. We're going to move you around. We're going to put you in motion. I don't care if you're covered. I'm going to throw it to you. And I just watch that, and I go, the Bengals are so afraid to throw it or force it to green because their offense is – we talk – as long as I've been doing this with you, I've said pre-snap, post-snap probably 500 times. Yeah. And because of pre-snap looks, they – Get away from AJ Green. The defense knows if we look, if we show we're covering AJ Green, the Bengals will go away from us. And it shouldn't be that simple. It shouldn't be that simple to take him out of the game. But it's the way they design their offense, and it's why I get to the point where I say, "Blow it up! You got to start brand new. This what you guys have put in place." will not work, and we have hindered some of the best players that have been here, and I think of A.J. Green all the time. And considering that it's that easy to get a, a, a Hall of Fame-type player out of the game is inexcusable. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Joe, I want to transition here and discuss the the rest of the offense. And first, I I want to start with Alex Erickson. Because the Bengals used Alex Erickson yesterday. Caught his first touchdown. And to me... The offense did seem a little bit more creative, I want to say. On third and three, it wasn't the, the fake handoff, the play action to Geo, the read option where Andy kept it. It was a big play in the game in the fourth quarter. To me, Bill Lazor did make some of the, the right decisions. Like on, on third, third down after Dre's interception, the play action to, to Croft. So what did you see outside of them still not being able to get the ball to green? They, they did have some success. What did you see from Bill Lazor and what he did creative-wise, uh, for the offense? Very early in the game, I could tell they were in shotgun much more this week, and they started bunching up the receivers on the outside, and they started stacking them, uh, putting guys in motion a little bit more. And it wasn't green so much as it was LaFell and Erickson, and that's a good thing. And they threw a wide receiver screen for the first time in a long time this week to uh, Tyler Boyd, who got his first catch in a long time. Got a but, first down, too. Um, they did, and then we never saw him again. But I know. still, <laughs> it worked for the play that needed. But the Erickson touchdown was, was a great play because it's third and three, and the Bengals have been a conservative team, especially on third downs all year. And Erickson kind of gives a little, almost a stutter at the, at the first down marker and then keeps going upfield and you see Bradley Roby playing his feet and, and sit on that route. And at that point, he's burned. And it's just, that play was, you win on that play on Wednesday when you're installing that. It didn't take Alex Erickson running that route. It didn't take Andy Dalton or Bradley Roby messing it up. That's tendency versus tendency. And the Bengals broke theirs and knew what the Broncos would do, and, and they won on it. That could have been any receiver. But it's still, Erickson has made plays when he's given opportunities. Um, they have an issue at, at wide receiver because, they like Cody Core, even though he's not an offensive contributor. So he's going to be active every year, and or every game, I should say. Um, Erickson yeah. is their main return man, so he's going to be active. And, and when you see him play on offense, you say he can help. He can do things. He may not be dynamic, but uh, 
I'm not sure he's any worse than Tyler Boyd is. I'm not, I, I, in fact, I wonder if he's better than Tyler Boyd in, in many ways. Uh, and then you have Boyd, who you invested a second-round pick in. So you want to see him play. You want to see if he can be anything or, be a, if, at best, if he's a good slot guy. And if, at worst, he's just a solid contributor. So where does that leave Ross? Because you're going to activate LaFell every week because he's still the second-best receiver, even though he has limitations, even though he's been a bad blocker this year. Um, he's come up when they've needed him to in the passing game. So it leaves you with, we have seven receivers we want active every week, but yet we can't find a way to get these guys all activated because you don't normally activate that many. And and it's kind of a situation they've, they've led themselves into, and it's a frustrating situation because you've got to get John Ross on the field. You've got to find a way to use him, especially in this game where they go deep. And they went deep a lot this game for the first time all year. And they got plays to LaFell. They got plays to Erickson. They got a screen to Boyd. These are a lot of plays where I looked and said, you know, you could have used this with John Ross. And this is a way to get him a spark and get him some confidence. And because he wasn't activated, because they feel confident in all seven receivers, it's an unfortunate situation. And that that's the thing. That leads me to the, the next point, Joe, is, is John Ross. Like, I get it. You have seven. What did Cody Core do yesterday? Like, he missed the tackle. Right? Like, to me, and I didn't know that, but, like, even if he had a great tackle on special teams, isn't What's that am, am I crazy to say that special teams is a lot about effort, is a lot about wanting to go hit the other guy and tackle him? That's exactly what it's about. So, to me, it, you can replace that. You can find someone else that wants to go hit that guy to, to cut their teeth and stay on the roster. I like Cody Core, but... We're we're like down on Tyler Boyd right now, but at least he's made some plays on offense. Like I, I can't remember the last time Cody Cork got a ball. I don't think he has this year. Week two or three, he got a couple deep balls in week one that were air mailed, and then he never had a chance for. It. And then he got another vertical one against I think the Bills. Didn't catch one, but yeah, he hasn't caught a pass. And that's the thing too. And his biggest contribution is a punt gunner on special teams. Um, that has typically been their. A corner or a safety, they've used Josh Shaw. They've used William Jackson, Darquez Denard. Um, now that Shaw and Denard had to play so much because you didn't have Jackson, because you didn't have Pac-Man Jones, uh, I think it led to them saying, okay, we have to probably have core for this role. Even though they like him, they almost were forced to activate him for that role. But Alex Erickson has done a, a good job at, the, at that spot too. I just think you're, they're at the point now with Brandon Wilson being activated, he can play that spot. They're at the point where if these other guys show that they can do that job, and I think that's Core's main job right now, um, and that's something I was looking for when I reviewed the game. Can these guys be punk gunners and be reliable? And I think they all looked like they could be. I think that's when we can see Core get deactivated, uh, and that's when John Ross steps in because you can't deactivate Erickson because he does too much on special teams. Like, if you want to compare special teams value, Erickson versus Core, I don't think it's comparable. I think if you're talking about a specific guy that's just on a coverage unit and Erickson also does that, plus Erickson is the punt and kick returner, I, it, it's obvious who's going to be activated. So, it's coming down to core on special teams or Ross because you need to get the ninth pick on the field. And they had to lean, I think, towards special teams because of the, the, um, the injuries at other positions. But I'm not excusing it. I think it's stupid. I think at the end of the day, your ninth pick can help you on an offense that sucks. Yeah, and that the offense sucks. Like, even yesterday, like, and here's the thing. Fine. You didn't want to put Ross out there against those Denver corners. Fine. But if you don't have him active this week against Cleveland – when he should get opportunities, should have some opportunities to succeed, to win downfield, then I don't know what you're doing. Because you do that, you get him some confidence, 
And if there's the one thing, like the one little wild card that would be against the, the Steelers on Monday Night Football, it would be, oh, well, they not only have A.J. Green and Joe Mixon had a decent running day against Cleveland, but they also got John Ross involved. We have to worry about him, too. Like, to me, adding a wrinkle might make you a lot harder to defend or, or make you a little bit more difficult to prepare for heading into the biggest game of the season, which looks like it will be that Monday night game against the Steelers. Cleveland is a get-right game, and they've been that way for a while. Yeah. Um, whatever you're struggling with, you can focus on it and say, okay, we're going to figure out what works, and we're going to try some new things against Cleveland. And we can probably deactivate a couple guys that are supposed to be special team standouts in favor of guys we need to get involved in offensive defense because special teams shouldn't decide this game versus Cleveland. This should be a two-score game at the end of the day. And, you know, maybe in a tight game versus a, a, a comparable team, which Denver might be in a lot of ways, you may want to lean towards special teams and make sure you get every advantage you can. But against Cleveland, now's the time to see what John Ross can do. Now's the time to see maybe C.J. Uzama, maybe Gio Bernard can get more snaps, uh, maybe Brian Hill, the guy you just signed from the, from the Falcons, maybe give him a few snaps. Point being is they should win this game pretty handedly, and if they do, there's no excuse not to get the young guys involved and get ready. If you are going to be 5-6, and six, if you are going to make a playoff push, which it seems like the players and coaches really believe so, just based on how they were talking, the way they looked after the game, um, if they really believe that, now's the time to use these guys, get them ready for the stretch. And, Joe, one final question, because it's crazy to me to see this, but I and I call him Cedric Olehi, but Cedric Olehi doesn't allow didn't allow a sack yesterday, at least based on the stats I've seen. And Von Miller, no quarterback hits, two tackles. What did the Bengals do up front? Were they better up front? Was the offense scheme different? What changed yesterday? Because I think a lot of us were expecting Von Miller to hit Andy early and often. I'm surprised Miller didn't get credited with a hit. I thought he hit him on the one play that was in the end zone where Dalton tried to get it over the middle and it fluttered and could have been intercepted. Oh, and that was a scary. That was a scary in. one too. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was Miller. It could have been Shane Ray. Um, and there was another play where Miller just bowed over um, Andre Smith and, and got a pressure. So yeah, the game. Listen, out of 25 pass plays, 20 of them did not require much pass protection because the play was getting out. I don't think the, I don't think the Broncos tried to confuse the Bengals at all. I don't think they showed them anything exotic. Uh, they went out there a lot of times in cover one and said, beat us vertical on, on the outside, and the Bengals did. And and if you're a defense, I think that's how you would play the Bengals too and say, listen, we don't think your, your quarterback can throw it deep. We don't think anyone other than Green can get deep, so try and beat us there. Uh, and, and so the ball was out quickly. The ball was out early, and we said this all year. We've talked about it. You don't notice the offensive line if receivers are open. If Dalton isn't confused post-snap and gets the ball out quickly, you'll never see the offensive line. When the, look at 2013, 2015, when they could pass at will, and Dalton's barely touched, barely sacked those years. It's because they have a lot of weapons and a scheme that works. Uh, you can win with the way this offensive line has played most of the weeks, and I'm only talking pass protection. You see how bad they really are when they're asked to run block and they actually have to win blocks and they actually have to get out in front of people and they actually have to execute as a unit that shows you how bad they are. And so they are a bad offensive line. They're a bottom five offensive line. Um, but you, in this scheme and this team, the way they built it, you can win on offense and in the passing game uh, with, with how they designed it because it's not going to, going to affect them on most plays. It's going to affect them when they're, when they're asked to hold the ball and read defenses. And that's, that's against the Steelers. That's against teams that might be against the Chiefs. It might be against uh, the, the, the Texans. So 
those are teams you're gonna, you may play in the playoffs, not the Texans, but it's a reason why those teams have affected the Bengals a little bit more. He's Joe Goodberry. Joe, I'm shocked we're talking playoffs. i got to be honest. What, what a difference 24 hours makes. Um, and the AFC it, sucks. It, it, yeah, and it sounds like for the next two weeks we will be talking. As long as they beat Cleveland, the next two weeks the playoffs will at least be in part of the conversation, which I welcome because the last thing I wanted to do, because if they lost yesterday – we would probably be mentioning draft at least a little bit, and it's. I know you love the draft, I do, but five months out is still probably, it's a ways. I probably would have went full draft mode if they would have lost yesterday. See, so at least two more weeks, two more weeks of non-full draft mode. How about that? That gets us to December, and that's usually the goal anyway. So that makes me happy. Yeah, absolutely. He's Joe Goodberry. Joe, I appreciate the time as always. Have a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you next week after uh, the Bengals and Browns. Thank you, James. Great stuff from Joe, as always. And so I'm just going to peel back the curtain. By the way, that's Joe Goodberry. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Every single, and we're winding down here on Locked on Bengals, but every single time we have him on, him and I usually talk back and forth for like 8 to 10 minutes just about random stuff. Well, It could be quarterbacks in college. It could be Andy Dalton's play. It could be play calls, things like that. Well, he mentioned it one day, and it was a really good idea. Some of our best talks happen before we start the podcast, and I rolled on it. And that will be part of tomorrow's Locked on Bengals podcast. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Thank you so much for listening to this. Subscribe on Megaphone, iTunes, which is Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app. Follow on Twitter at James Rapine at Locked on Bengals. And until tomorrow, I'm James Rapine. By the way, I'll be in, uh, I'll be in the Bengals locker room on Wednesday. So happy Thanksgiving week. Until next time. I'm James Rapine. This has been the Locked on Bengals podcast. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked on NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.